0: Sportsnet today. Listen on the air, online on the Sportsnet app, and always on your smart speaker. Sportsnet 960, the Fan, Calgary.
1: Sir, welcome back, Sportsnet today. Patrick Dumas, I'm no longer alone as well either. I got Aaron Vickers along with me as well. Ah. Yeah. Uh. Still a little little little... alone. (laughs) (laughs) You're not lonely, but you're still kind of just a little bit alone. Little bit alone here as we uh as they let these two goofs take over the airwaves for the next few hours.
2: It's better the airwaves than the store. Because kidna candy shop going on right now. I'm not a goalie, but I'm a goalie gear nut.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
2: upstairs is wild. I will try on about eight pairs of gloves today before I go. All the colors. Uh, the hats. You name it, I'm pretty much just going to wander the store for about an hour after we're done.
1: Yeah, no, this is a, it's a pretty neat location. It's actually my first time ever being down here at Adrenaline Sorcerer Sports 9309 McLeod Trail Southwest. It is Hype Fest. Uh, they got the branding up on the boards there, up on the wall. The new light Hyper 2 Light Stick and Skate. Uh, I'm not, I you know, I'm not, Aaron, I'll be honest, I never played hockey growing up. You know, I'm not a big equipment guy. I like a nice stick, I think they're all pretty looking. They're all nice, colorful. I don't know where to begin. I mean,
2: it's it starts with the sticks, bud. You got to go. There's no shortage of them, even immediately behind us. All shapes and sizes and colors. Like, and yeah, I, like, see, I'm almost like there's some you know assorted colors. I'm more of a muted guy, if you can believe it or not. Like, like the I want silver, black. Yeah. You know? I'm. Okay. I'm, I save my flash for the
1: skills, That's not not at. the gear. That's where it should be. So. Um yeah but yeah they are uh, we are here hyping up the uh, Bowers 25th uh, Vapor's 25th birthday hype fest going on all weekend here down at Adrenaline prizes and giveaways all weekend uh, a little bit about the stick uh, Hyper quick, like never seen before, with reimagined Hyperlight two stick featuring ACL 2.0 technology for optimal carbon layering and weighing 25 grams lighter. So you know, like light sticks. That's like, I get. Is that good? Having a light stick? Oh yeah, yeah. With, with hands like mine, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the less resistance
2: I have, and I've got scrawny arms, so really the less I gotta carry, good the better. Real
1: whippy stick, uh, for sure. But yeah, they're having uh, having a good thing down here with uh, Vapor. You got the good, the, the new skate. As well, uh, we'll be plugging this all afternoon. Come in, say hi. They're open till eight o'clock. Uh, Zom's here, Aaron's here, I'm here, and of course, uh, many employees. They're wearing their hype shirts. They're they're white. You can't miss. You can't them. miss them. They're all wearing hype. They're all hyped to sell you all these hyped technologies uh but yeah we're getting into this show here it is a blue jays game day tonight uh it's five o'clock start we'll uh we'll get you out to roger center and uh, it's the only really way yeah, unless you got apple tv you're gonna have to listen to the sports broadcast because it's an apple tv broadcast but uh shohei otani of course uh the big story uh of course coming up here uh, lucas giolito will be the starter opposing him of course uh, making his angels debut up against kevin gosman but we'll we'll park the baseball conversation uh we'll st- we'll, we'll go to hockey Last night, Vladimir Tarasenko, one of the like the bigger names probably remaining on the free agency board. I mean it's 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 a grim list, if I'm to yeah, be honest. Uh, poor
2: uh, but poor th- logo and I ran through it last week. Or it was let's <laughs> just say time. let's just say you're not uh the odds of landing a franchise maker or you know, a think, game changer yeah. at this point. We're uh let's be honest, we're at the tail end of July. Yep free agency open July 1. Mm-hmm. There aren't that many names left on the board that are going to get me I like fourth liners like I can I can roll all <laughs> the way down through the lineup and there are names there that I'm like well if you do have cap space left and not too many teams do mm-hmm. this guy could be interesting or here's this 23 year old that wasn't qualified <laughs> by his team and what what might be there in terms of unearthing a gem well not a whole lot and as you mentioned, Vladimir Tarasenko was kind of one of the few mm-hmm. remaining that yeah. has brand name recognition, mm-hmm. and has somewhat of that game-breaking skill. I think he scored 30 or more six times in his career somewhere in mm-hmm. there. Um, not too long ago, I think it was only a season or so ago, not this past one, but the yeah. year before, he was among the top 20 in the league in scoring. So to see him come off the board to the Ottawa Senators last night immediately mm-hmm. shot you a text saying, hey, one less." <laughs> One less guy to talk about now, or maybe perhaps one more guy to talk about as we get here. But, yeah, another name, as you mentioned, falls off the board. Ottawa Senators get their guy, I guess. Yeah,
1: it's a one-year, $5 million deal. Obviously, uh, they had to replace some of the scoring touch lost uh, in the Alex Debrinkit, uh trade with Detroit. Uh, where does Ottawa shake out in the Atlantic Division? Because I think it was last year... There was a lot more hype around this group too, where you know this is it's it's, it's they, add, they added Alex DeBrinket, the, the you know they've now they have Jacob Chikrin, but last year there was hype around the group that hey, yeah, maybe yeah. they could be a uh, one of those teams pushing for a wild card spot, and it, they didn't it didn't amount to that. And then this year you're out to it, you add maybe uh, a Tarasenko or a DeBrinket type in, in Vladimir Tarasenko. Maybe he's not the he's not definitely not the guy that he maybe was. But who knows? couple down years here and a new situation in ottawa but like where do where do you think the senators shake down in the atlantic division As this this is a division that got sh- shook obviously this past week with mm-hmm. Patrice bergeron leaving it uh boston's got a huge hole at center uh toronto obviously what what they have capable to do tampa bay kind of a team you know we, where are they're they transitioning right now with tampa bay or are they still a team that you can still think they can be a stanley cup contender as well but where do you think this atlantic division is at? if you had asked me 72 hours ago i would say that this is the division of death for
2: teams like buffalo ottawa and detroit who are making those steps mm-hmm. to become more competitive after going through various lengths of rebuilds for all three organizations and then patrice bergeron up and retires and we don't know <laughs> david Krejci's situation just yet so suddenly you're looking at a Pavel Zacca, Charlie Coyle type 1-2 mm-hmm. in Boston. And Boston had over 130 points last year. Losing Bergeron makes me question if they're going to finish top three in the division. Because, again, this division, Boston Bruins with President's Trophy winner. Didn't go as far in the playoffs as they would have liked. So be it. Toronto Maple Leafs are still an ultra-competitive team. Tampa Bay, I still like them until... Until they're consistently knocked out in the first or second rounds, then I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not ready to sour on them yet. They've still got too much power. Kucherov, Stamkos, Point, Hedman, yep. Sergachev, um, Vasilevsky. So there's still that. And then you have the Florida Panthers who finish fourth, literally the lowest mm-hmm. point total of any playoff team. Yep. Less than what the are they Flames. Do? What are they do? Yeah, <laughs> less than the Flames. I don't know if that's a sour point at 960, 960 on the tax line. Hit me up and let me know if you're a little bit bitter about that. But, of course, yeah, the the team with the least amount of points in the playoffs yeah. goes to the Stanley Cup Finals. Mm-hmm. So if you're the Ottawa Senators or Buffalo Sabres or Detroit Red Wings, for that matter, and you're going, we know we're a better team. Mm-hmm. We know we've got the internal growth from the young players. We know we've made some external mm-hmm. additions. But who are you still knocking off here to get in? Like, it's going to be one, two, three set, and then you're fighting two wild card spots. You're in tough. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I, do believe,
2: I do believe both wild cards will come out of the Atlantic this year. I'm mm-hmm. not super excited about the Metro where Carolina you yeah. can lock in, Jersey you can lock in, I think the Rangers you can lock in. But the Islanders that. Islanders who made it last year, I'm not so sure. And we're still talking about, or not talking about, I guess, the Pittsburgh Penguins who, mm-hmm. with Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, missed mm-hmm. the playoffs last year. So if I'm a team like the Ottawa Senators to bring it back to the, uh, the news of the night on Thursday, bringing in Vlad Tarasenko, they're definitely going to be an improved team. I have no idea in July whether or not they're going to improve enough to topple the likes of Boston, Toronto, Tampa, Florida, and then still top some of those other up-and-coming mm-hmm. teams like Buffalo or Detroit. Now, yeah, go ahead. Well, having said that, the so Vlad Tarasenko to Ottawa has mm-hmm. been kind of rumored or kicked around or the, the thought process has been out for mm-hmm. even prior to trading Alex Brinkett to Detroit. And so it's kind of curious to see. It took a real long time, it felt like, for, for this deal to come together. I like it. And to me, it completes the Dabrinkit deal because this freed up the space, the roster spot, to bring in Tarasenko. And Tarasenko had, he only had 18 goals last year between the Blues and the Rangers, but he only played 69 games. Mm-hmm. The year prior, he had 34 and 75. DeBrinket, in his one season with Ottawa, had 27 goals. Yeah. So, I don't think it's a stretch to expect Tarasenko to replace those 27 goals. Plus, they added a guy like Kubalik, who, to me, uh, I got to see him quite a bit at the World Championships this past spring, and he looked like a guy that had. 30 goal scoring potential again so if he even comes back and rebounds because he didn't have the best year either if he comes back and rebounds to 25 and you get tarasenko Mm -hmm. back to around 30 which is where he kind of historically is Mm -hmm. on an incentive show me deal where he's going to be a free agent again next spring i do really like the ottawa senators much more than i did a week ago we'll say because even in conversations Mm -hmm. with logo it's like the two teams in that division i'm most curious about was buffalo and detroit now you can add Ottawa to the equation.
1: Now. Yeah, Ottawa made it a little bit more interesting for sure. As we expect, we expect more from Buffalo, and we expect more from Detroit to take that next step. I really like the centers that Ottawa has. They're top two centers in Stutzla and Norris. Like that—that's that's a young among. If you're looking at young two centers around the league. Those are two of the best that you can find right now. I know Josh Norris had the injury issues last year, and you're hoping a healthy Norris yep. can can add to that. And I think Tim Stutzla. I've, I've cool. said it before, man. If if he was a Canadian passport, there's a chance he goes first overall that year in 2020 in that pandemic draft. I don't know. I just think Tim Stutzla is. He's going to be able to take that next step. I like what Ottawa's building there, and I'm just so so. So fascinated to see the bottom there. I mean, Florida, I guess you can still kind of throw in there in that because they were, you know, only a 91-point yeah. team. And, yeah, it's Matthew Kachuk, it's Alex Barkov, but this is, a, this is a team that, you know, they relied a lot on Bobrovsky down the stretch, Getting and then Alex Lyon was really the guy that got him yeah, the into the
2: playoffs. Their goaltending was all over the map. But yeah. I think just what they built in the playoffs, I think you have to give them the benefit of a doubt that they'll be one of the top three teams in that division or at least wild card one. I just, from the Ottawa Senators' perspective, you've got so much heavy lifting that you've got. You've got to. I'm not gonna ballpark what their record needs to be against their in their own division. Never mind uh, the Metro. Mm-hmm. But they're gonna have to play like 550 hockey against the teams that we've previously mentioned that are basically locks to get in to even have a sniff in the conversation. In my books.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, like, like their goaltending. We'll see, like, like corpus was a nice signing i thought it was was maybe really kind of the one that kind of got me like oh corpus to ottawa kind of i did like that signing you know i like i like their defense as well full Uh, season of chikrin now full season of chikrin hopefully you get a healthy jacob chikrin yeah uh i think that'll be be massive going forward with with ottawa but it does it just feels like like you're still waiting on okay what's going to happen with toronto here like they're not. I don't think they're gonna fall. Obviously, they're not gonna fall out of a playoff spot. But I kind of mentioned it yesterday. They're gonna be. You're gonna be able to score some goals on that team. I think. I think you be able to score on Toronto. If, yeah. If, if, like the way that defense is built right now, and and you you know it's Elias Samsonov. You don't. You don't really know. I think that that division is so fascinating. Is it not like as you do
2: a quick kind of peek through the four, and maybe we're a little Pacific bias mm-hmm. just
1: with the Flames residing here. Mm. Because I mean, we, we would, on the morning show, we've been t- talking that Pacific Division might be the best division in hockey because it's got Vegas as the Cup champ, LA's coming, it's got those boys up north in Edmonton with McDavid and and Drysiddle. Uh Obviously, like you know, like you, you, then there's Calgary, you know, they're like, like the fourth and whatever kind of like right there. But is like like you, do you agree like that? Like no, what is maybe the best I don't, division? No,
2: I don't at all, and no. we can scrap it out in the parking lot sure. outside of Adrenaline go. here, so we don't mess up the they nice displays and everything.
1: Here? Um you got MMA equipment? No? I see some baseball helmets. Baseball so we might as bats. well we might as well do it right <laughs> if we're gonna do it.
2: No, I think it's the Atlantic because I think yeah. there are seven teams that if things go the right way, yeah. I mean you still gotta play eighty two games. We're sitting here july twenty eighth. But to me there's seven teams in that division of the eight, no offense, Montreal. I don't think you're ready yet. yet. I don't think you're there yet. Still in the oven. But there are seven teams that I could re- realistically, I think I can make a case for they're going to be <laughs> a fourth game. or higher in their division. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: It, it, it's it's crazy, and like I, I, it'll be some fascinating hockey for sure. So yeah, when you, I mean, I, get, I just, I think Boston. Like obviously, I don't think Boston's going to hit the heights of the 140 points, and I don't think no, like because there was like we talked last year, Bruins might be missing a team, missing the playoffs were a lot of people heading into last year and then they go and pull out the 140 the president's trophy and everything but how far does boston really fall if they can't replace bergeron and they have to rely on a coil and zaka to, to deal i know Pasternak, he's he's, he's yeah. a baller he's going to do what he's going to do he's going to get his but you need guys you need that down the middle kreiche's gone bergeron's gone what is the going to happen so like
2: boston? looking at it how much is Patrice Bergeron worth in terms of wins above replacement value? Mm-hmm. And it, it's out there, and I'm not going to Google it. I'm sure half the people really want me to go investigate. The other half will be you can park the fancy it's stats, probably, whatever. It's probably pretty good. But <laughs> is he 20 point? Is he 20 points of value to to Boston? Is he 10 points? Because they were a 135 point team last year. Mm-hmm. They're going to be missing their number one t- center. They're, they're going to miss yep. their number two center. Mm-hmm. Uh, Assuming Krejci doesn't come back, there's Mm -hmm. still the opportunity for him to. We haven't really heard much on that front Mm -hmm. unless I missed something. No. But it feels like... To a degree, the sky is falling, at least from my perspective in Boston, <laughs> all because you don't have a guy that was a top three Selkie nominee yeah. 12 years in a row. Yeah. And can they really go from 135 to out of the playoffs just without Bergeron? Like, it doesn't seem realistic. No,
1: no, it does But at
2: the same time, I'm not buying stock in the Boston Bruins right now. I'm, I'm, not-, I'm, I'm not going all in. I, I'll be curious to see. I like to put like one or two dollars on bets I'm curious about. Mm -hmm. I'm not a big gambler, Mm -hmm. but one or two is enough to get me jazzed about something. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to see what the over under on their points projection is this year Mm -hmm. because they just went 135, but anything triple digits, I'm not sure I'm big on.
1: It might come in at right around 98, 99, 100, I think. But their goaltending was off. Uh, was obviously yep. massive to them last year with Linus Olomar taking that steps forward. Jeremy Swayman could probably be a starter in this league. And he'll be curious because he's on. He's going he's into going, arbitration he's going, right he's now. he got yeah. a little bit of a court hearing coming up uh, to see how much Boston doesn't think of you. That's I'm, always weird. That's always weird. I don't <laughs> want to go on a tangent of arbitration, but go... Yeah and i don't i don't even
2: know if the players go in the room anymore they used to but yeah. it's basically just three hours of your team your team yep. telling somebody they don't know why you're not good enough to justify the salary you want mm-hmm. and then they want you to come back and overproduce produce on the salary you end up being awarded it's, exactly. it's bizarre to me a little bit
1: exactly and then we had uh, steve conroy from uh, the boston herald on earlier this week as well on the morning show and we talked kind of like because everybody kind of po- connected the dots. Okay, they're down a number one center. Well, can I can I interest you in a, in a Bergeron light and maybe an Elias Lindholm. Lindholm? But then you're like, okay, well, yeah, that makes logical sense. And Boston will have a ton of money coming off the cap. They'll have like $30 million next summer to spend, so they can easily make yeah. the extension work. But you're also like, what's the return? There is nothing that Boston can offer you that makes any sort of sense. I get it. If, if last comes to you and say, yeah. I'm not re-signing. Get, I don't want, want to be here. Then you're like, okay, Jake DeBrusque, Fabian Lysell and you're 25 first or something I like that. that. I think that one's don't even tied up. I think you have to wait until yeah, 2026 Detroit. to it's get it. It's yeah. got Detroit connections to it as well. So, so and we, by the
2: time that yeah. that pick's going to be mid-first round or exactly. later, so by the time that that kid is even ready, NHL ready, you're looking at another two to three years. Yeah. So you're looking at 2029 20, as probably your primary principle of return. <laughs> For your number one center. Yeah, and like,
1: like Steve mentioned, like, oh, I can offer, we can offer you uh, some goalies. Uh, Calgary had some issues with goalie. I'm like, we have three goalies here now. We've got three goalies. The Flames are like, trying to get rid of one we're of them already. Get rid of one, <laughs> so, trying to at least figure
2: out some sort of version of the three headed monster. Yeah. It's just,
1: yeah, so i just like, as Boston figures out what they want to do at center, and like, yeah, they maybe prefer Lindholm to, to Mark Shifley, who's maybe the other center that's got some connections. And that would tied make more Boston. sense to them, to be honest, because
2: I think if you bring Shifley in from winnipeg winnipeg might want one of your goalies so that they can be more free to flip connor hellebuck yeah. somewhere else it's almost like a a domino effect yeah, trade exactly because i th- thought it would have
1: been like a swayman shifley type swap with some other type yeah you know, some finesse in that's there, what yeah. i thought that's what if if they were able to move hellebuck earlier on in the summer i think Winnipeg's obviously made it like obviously there's still a whole month to go a month and a half before we get to camp but I think Winnipeg's going into the mode where we're okay. We're just going to ride it out with Hellebuck, and we'll see what happens. Because I don't know. Because, but that would make sense for sure if that trade uh, went through. But yeah, the the deal of the day yesterday: Vladimir Tarasenko, one year, uh, five million dollars to the Ottawa Senators. And just to add to that,
2: Andy Strickland out of yeah, St. Louis good. said he was told Tarasenko was offered a four-year deal at five point five per from ottawa early in free agency and also had one-year offers from carolina at 5.25 and san jose a one-year deal at six million so tarasenko had options mm-hmm. figured his best shot was with the ottawa senators
1: on a one year they, they they offered him a long-term deal with some security which is you know they're like kind of like hey okay, we're without to bring it we still believe that vladimir tarasenko can be an elite sniper in this league he's not far removed from being that type of player so we'll see what happens for sure but yeah i'm i'm, I'm it's a one-year five million prove-it deal like there was obviously florida i think was a team that might have rumored to, yeah rumored as well and i think you have more of a, a carolina a team that needs goal scoring and i think everybody thinks carolina you could probably pencil them in as a the metro champ and a stanley cup contender for sure and I think they'll be a lot better for sure with Cockney Emmy yep. and everybody and Sveshnikov and and full healthy Pachetty. Seth Jarvis, like so, yeah, like we uh, we did a rundown mm-hmm. with
2: Carolina and. I don't know. They like they must be the heavy favorites for the Metro. It's just sort of their, their, going their away. lines
1: that they can go. It's got to be a going away type thing because yeah. I think Jersey is a team that might regress to a little bit of the mean. I don't think they're as bad as I think. They but got I don't Tyler Toffoli. They, they come on, right? I know. Same uh, leading
2: scorer. <laughs> but, I don't. I don't think they necessarily regress, but I don't think they're catching. They're not. They're, they're they not going to.
1: They're not. They're not going to be like that. What do they got? They 112 last year. So yeah it's uh, they'll be probably be around that 100 point mark but yeah i think that's carolina's division by far and we see like i mean obviously pittsburgh and washington will continue to think that they can be a team and pittsburgh we'll see what happens with eric carlson i was gonna say pittsburgh eric
2: carlson i was gonna <laughs> go there you beat me to it could you imagine and what does that do okay break it down for me mm-hmm. you know the roster already you know some of the moves the pittsburgh penguins add eric carlson and let's say they don't give up anything of significance off their current roster Mm -hmm. finished fifth last year i imagine you're going to say they jumped the new york islanders
1: with a six million dollar eric carlson Whew! i think the sky's the limit with what pittsburgh can do i
2: don't think washington would catch him and i think we'd have a real debate over the rangers versus
1: the penguins Penguins. yeah i totally agree there they figured like if the goaltending can get better this year with pittsburgh and get more consistent we know what obviously their forward group can do and adding a guy like Carlson if, if Eric Carlson is back to being Eric Carlson if it was just uh a, a little blip an injury yeah. something was was affecting him over the last few years in San Jose if he well get, I mean 100 points this season didn't the, the hurt previous, when, yeah previous yeah. the years I'm sorry in San Jose and obviously this year aside but if he yeah. is that guy again I think he can make Pittsburgh very happy on that back end it's
2: it's scary to think about having because Sid's not slowing down. No. Still like Evgeny Malkin, and then you add. Yeah, I mean. And if they can get their goaltending
1: sorted out, yeah. Then, then we're. But yeah, it's just wondering like push. like how much like because I think like I don't think San Jose can obviously sell like low on Carlson, but obviously they're gonna have to take some money in that deal. I think they obviously want out of Carlson, but San Jose has to maybe figure out something what they want to do here because it's not a good group still they're learning they're still they're still adding to it yeah but uh we'll see what happens there see and just
2: I- just to drive the point home about the atlantic being better than the pacific are you
1: really worried about anaheim san
2: jose we'll, I- we'll talk vancouver I- 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 a little later aside from
1: the two of the california top end, the teams top and, there, and right. maybe vancouver the-, the five teams in the pacific vegas edmonton seattle uh calgary and uh, los angeles i think can make i think any five of those could be a division winner that's what i'm saying Hey, you, you, we, we could maybe not. I think yeah. I think yeah. Because literally Calgary gets some better goaltending, and in those one goal games, they flip the script. They're a two seed. Or yeah get an overtime win mix, in, mix in a shootout w yeah, just, just do do some practice yeah. it i
2: don't know that, yeah. that'd be my hot tip for a <laughs> new head coach ryan huska yeah, exactly. maybe work, work on the three-on-three a little exactly. bit i don't know. just spitballing here i'm not a coach never have been never will be i'm just a guy that keeps kind of rotating his chair around to look yeah. at all the bower sticks oh, behind it's easily
1: so. to get distracted here yeah. uh yes we are down here at adrenaline source for sports uh 9309 uh mcleod trail southwest it's hype fest uh celebrating vapor's 25th birthday uh, they got prizes and giveaways all weekend. They're open until 8 o'clock tonight. Come down, say hello, come out, try the new stick, try the new skates on for your size and everything. They're light, they're amazing to look at. And come out and check out some of the other great stuff around here. It's Adrenaline Source of Sports. It's Sportsnet today. It's Patrick Demaud. it's Aaron Vickers. And around the corner, we go to the CFL. It is uh, Touchdown Atlantic weekend out in Halifax. The Argonauts and the Rough Riders doing it for another year in a row. What's the status of football in Atlanta, Canada? We'll find out. John Hodges did a little bit of a deep dive, viewing the venues out in Halifax, the at least the available venues. And uh, as uh, as we get ready, as, as the CFL, we need to get to ten teams for sure. That's around the corner. As Sportsnet day, today continues here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Back to Sportsnet today on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. CFL Week Number Eight gets underway this evening with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in Ottawa to take on the Red Blacks. But this weekend it is Touchdown Atlantic, Halifax, the site. Welcome back to the Sportsnet today, broadcasting live from Adrenaline Source for Sports ninety three oh nine, McLeod Trail Southwest. Got Aaron Vickers along with me as well. Uh, they're celebrating hype fights. Fice- hype fight, hype fest. That's what we're gonna do in the parking lot. We're gonna never? hype fight in the wheat in the parking lot with bats. Uh, It is Hype Fest this weekend, uh, going on adrenaline prizes and giveaways all weekend long. They're open until 8 o'clock tonight as they celebrate uh, Bauer Vapor's 25th birthday. Like I said, off the top, it is Touchdown Atlantic this weekend. We are joined by Three Down Nation's John Hodge. He's down in Halifax uh, covering the game for Three Down Nation. Thank you so much for taking time out of your, I guess, early evening, John. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. How about yourself?
1: Oh, doing all right. Uh, doing all right. Can't complain. So, yeah, you're down in Halifax, Touchdown Atlantic. It's Argos and Riders this weekend. Uh, what's the vibe like around town?
0: I mean, it's, it's good. This is my first time in the Maritimes, and frankly, I'm I'm loving it out here. Like It's a beautiful part of the country. I know that its reputation precedes it, but it, it has certainly lived up to the hype. I, I will say in terms of the game, I've I've been trying to ask, you know, different Uber drivers and servers that we've had over the course of the week so far. I've been here since Wednesday morning. And um, I I wouldn't say that the buzz is crazy. There's a little bit of signage up at the airport. Uh, There's a bunch around the university. I think where the Mm -hmm. game is actually taking place at Husky Stadium in the heart of St. Mary's University campus. There's some buzz citywide. I would say it's, you know, it's not cold but it's not hot so mm-hmm. you know I, I think ultimately you know i mean the game is sold out and it's going to be about eleven thousand five hundred. 500 um, probably not as big as last year but last year was obviously the first one that they'd had out yeah. here in a long time
1: uh your latest article up at three down nation uh i was taking a look uh an in-depth look at some of the available venues that halifax has to offer if the cfl ever decided to expand out to the nova scotia capital uh share care to share with uh With the listeners, what you saw? Well,
0: essentially, the local leadership, and and just to note, like local leadership is currently unavailable for comment because last week, you know, Halifax and the surrounding area was hit by devastating rains, floods. They're dealing with the aftermath. There were some casualties. It's it's obviously, and I mean, I'm happy to say that at least near the game, like downtown, like like I've yet to see any devastation. Uh, The city looks beautiful, but obviously it is there, and, and there are some people going through extremely tough times. So, local leadership is not commenting, but we were able to get tours of essentially the two existing facilities upon which you could theoretically build a CFL quality stadium. I mean, it's clear from local leadership. Last year, we did an interview with Mike Savage, the mayor of Halifax, who said there's no political appetite to go out and build. You know, a 25,000-seat CFL-exclusive stadium, you know, mm-hmm. a place like Tim Hortons Field, for instance, in Hamilton. So the two places that theoretically could be upgraded to have a CFL stadium be there is the Wanderers Grounds and Husky Stadium. The Wanderers Grounds currently plays host to the Halifax Wanderers. Mm-hmm. It's a very bare-bones uh, spot. there's no running water, there's no food services, and the team locker rooms the media center are built out of repurposed shipping containers. That wow. being said, there's 8,000 soccer fans who yes. go there for all the games. They, the Wanderers have almost double the attendance of any other team in the Canadian Premier League, and uh, the atmosphere is fantastic, and the location is amazing. It's essentially wedged between the Halifax Common which is the biggest urban park, uh, one of the biggest urban parks in Canada, certainly the biggest in the Maritimes. It's surrounded by beer gardens and local restaurants and stuff like that. It's a really cool spot. And it's also wedged between the downtown waterfront, which is obviously where where there's a ton of fun happening. So the location is amazing. But the what's currently there, the amenities are obviously nowhere near what they'd have to be for a CFL team. And then the other option is Husky Stadium, where the game is being played tomorrow. It's been expanded to... Again, 11,500 seats. Typically, they've got about 2,000, and the Huskies who play there generally do sell out. They're well-supported. Yeah. Um, and there apparently have been plans. sources have indicated, for 20 years at this point to actually upgrade the stadium to about 24,000 seats with two 10,000-seat grandstands along the sidelines and another 2,000 seats in both end zones, but... To this point, the CFL and St. Mary's, as far as I'm aware, have not had formal communications regarding an upgrade, and I don't think that the city is anywhere close to, to passing the the money that would be required in order to make that happen. So those are the two options. They're not building something new. They're going to have to repurpose something. And uh, the Wanderer's Grounds, I mean, the location's an A+, but the amenities are poor, and yeah. uh, or at least the existing amenities are poor. And Halifax, the Husky Stadium, I should say, Location is not as good. It's still good. The location is not a home run, uh, but the amenities are are at least closer.
2: You detailed the uh, pros and cons of each there quite well. If you were a betting man, which 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 would you slap your money down on?
0: Well, ultimately, and I've talked to locals here who have said, you know, the the you know, and by locals I mean people who have lived here out of their whole lives or for twenty mm-hmm. years, and they've said. You know, one of the issues that is plaguing ha- or Halifax to an extent is the fact that so many people still consider it a small town. Like it's, they, they don't consider it to be a major Canadian city. And yet, I'm walking around, like, I'm, I'm born and raised in Winnipeg. And I mean, you, <laughs> like, I, and then, don't get me wrong, I'm a very proud Manitoba, very proud Winnipegger. But I mean, Halifax is, you know, the population is not much smaller than Winnipeg. And, and, and it's, it's gorgeous. Like, there are so many amenities, there's there's so many things to do. It's clean, it's fantastic um you know there's no reason at least from my perspective why hamilton or by by halifax shouldn't have a, a full-fledged stadium and obviously they're missing out on lots of opportunities even to host non-football events like like you know a stadium of 20,000 could attract all kinds of concerts to the maritimes that right now can't come to the to the to the maritimes because there's there's no opportunity to to host anything really larger than about 10,000 right now anywhere in in this part of the country so you know, it's uh, you know I, I I would say Husky Stadium is probably the far more likely option at this point. But if there was somebody who could step up, be it from the private sector, be it from the public sector, I mean the Wanderers grounds, it's it's a much larger undertaking. But with the right forethought, the right financing, you could build something there. Like the bones there, from a, a location standpoint, are are second to none. They're they're truly spectacular. To me, that would be the best place. To be. From,
2: from a league standpoint, from a CFL standpoint, do you get a sense of what the desired timeline is to get something done?
0: Well, I mean, we, we spoke with Commissioner Randy Ambrosi this morning, and he, he reiterated that there are multiple parties potentially interested in, in owning a team out here. But as far as I know, there, there is no timeline I know Ambrosi did say that you know he he wouldn't use the term do or die to describe this year's TD Atlantic, but you know the first touchdown Atlantic was in 2005. Like this is yeah. this is almost a 20-year-old venture. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's been a pandemic in there. There's been Ottawa coming in and out of the league during that time span. Like there's there's been some mitigating circumstances, but at the end of the day, this is not a new venture. And and even go back before that, I mean the first the first conditional team that was awarded by the Mm -hmm. CFL, the Atlantic Schooners, were approved in 1982. So in a way, this is a 40-year-old venture. They've been talking about this for four decades, now, getting a team out here. And so it seems as though the CFL, if this doesn't lead to a team in the foreseeable future, um, which I would, I would define as, as a time span of probably a year. It seems like they're going to maybe turn their attention to another market. The one they keep talking about is Quebec City as another potential option. I'm not sure how realistic that is, but um, there also has never been a CFL regular season game played there. So to me, I, I would say if there is going to be a team, it's certainly not going to be in the next couple of years, but there does seem to be some optimism and so we'll, we'll have to wait and see. To me, that's that's the piece that matters here. It's, it's a local owner with Deep pockets stepping up and saying, I'm going to buy this team and I'm going to use my political power to, to help get that Husky Stadium upgraded enough that we can make the CFL something that works here.
2: You mentioned there's some recent optimism, but you also said this goes back anywhere 20 to 40 years, depending on where you want to look at it. Is there, from a local perspective, a sense of frustration that – 20 this is almost 20 years of td atlantic like you say 40 years talking about you know awarding a franchise and everything is there a sense of sense of frustration among the local fan base
0: i think to some extent there there might be uh, I, I don't know if frustration is the right word maybe a right mm-hmm. word but almost just be you know uh, i don't want to use the word apathy but you know it's it's one of those things where if you keep talking about it, and you keep talking about it you keep talking about it it, it you, know, you, you almost just develop a sense of skepticism. Like, well, why get excited about this possibility? Because every time we talk about it and everyone gets excited, it doesn't happen, right? So I do think that there's, there's some of that around. I, I think that, you no, know, the locals seem excited. There was, there was a great event uh, early, earlier today. Uh, they had 200 kids out from Football Nova Scotia taking part in drills from CFL alumni, some active CFL players, guys like Wes Case, Kian Schaeferbaker, Jeff Johnson, Villara and Aramelade. The CFLPA has been out. Like, it's a fantastic event. Lots of parents. Lots of autographs, pictures. The great cup was out. Like, mm. there, there's certainly interest in football out here. There's certainly hype. There's certainly buzz. There's certainly a place in the community in which a CFL team, I think, could fit and could operate. But I also think that that the whole process has, to at least some extent, become a victim of its own. Lack of progress, I guess, in a way, because, yeah, this is not a new idea. This is not a new concept. Yeah, the events, that's looking good. It's sold out for the second consecutive year. But, you know, again, the the first conditional team that was awarded was, was awarded 41 years ago. And, and the CFL is not closer today than it was then to actually getting a team on the field so at some point i do think that you need to make this happen or you need to forget about it and move on once and for all or at least move on until halifax goes okay you know because right by the way right now halifax has almost half a million people living in it the population is exploding theoretically at Mm -hmm. some point somebody with the political you know strength or the political willpower whatever you want to call it is going to say look we're, we're becoming a major Canadian city it's time to build a stadium and uh, but until it happens and again until an owner is in place I don't think this thing's going to go
1: uh, to the uh, the teams actually playing a touchdown Atlantic the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the Toronto Argonauts uh, kind of coming in at opposite ends here Toronto flying high undefeated Chad Kelly's the the talk of the league while in Saskatchewan offense has been struggling Mason Fine is the quarterback right now for the foreseeable future uh, are they going to be all right in Saskatchewan?
0: Well, that's a great question. I, I <laughs> spoke with Craig Dickinson last night when they arrived and uh, got to the got to the airport, and yeah. uh, basically I I asked him, you know, is, is Mason fine, your guy, and and is it a long leash or is it a short leash following the to Trevor Harris? He made it very clear Mason finds our quarterback, and he's got a long leash now. Fine you know, completed a million passes it seemed last week in Vancouver. The issue was everything was checked out. I mean, he he was checking the ball down left, right, and center until the fourth quarter when they had to push the ball down the field and then he threw the two picks. So I asked Mason to find this afternoon after walkthrough, you know, what did that kind of endorsement from your head coach mean? And he said it meant a lot. You know, it's really hard to go out there and play when, you know, you feel like you're at risk of being replaced all the time. So, you know, he said it, it makes it a little bit easier to go out there and make some mistakes. And he is a young guy, mm-hmm. third year in the yep. league, and he's only, you know, mad three career starts. But by that same token, just like the Halifax expansion, <laughs> at some <laughs> point it has to happen, right? And this yeah. is year three. If if Mason Fine is going to prove that he can be a starter in this league and win games, you know, that, that time has, I, I'm not going to say past, but it's here. It's now. This is your opportunity. You have to make this work. Right? We've seen young quarterbacks. Guys like Jake Mayer, guys like Dustin Crum, in the last few years, young guys, Chad Kelly would be in that category yep. as well, come in and have you know almost immediate success and show that they can be a guy that you could potentially build a team around. So I do think there's a lot of pressure on Mason Fine. Craig Dickinson said he wants to see Fine push the ball down the field more. And you mentioned the Argos. I mean, that defense is leading the league in takeaways per game. Yep they're getting the they're getting more than three takeaways a game right now wow. that is a tough defense the test is is very tough for Mason fine and i'm excited to see how well he's able to navigate that tomorrow
1: um the local team the calgary stampeders are dealing with their fair share of injuries as well they had their trade with jagarrett davis uh, earlier this week Nick's because he failed a physical it turns out he's got a torn meniscus uh The Stampeders obviously assumed he was healthy when they made the trade, but what was your read on on that whole situation there? Well, I mean, it's sad
0: sometimes, you know, when when a guy of of Jagera Davis's quality can can Mm -hmm. fall off. And I'm not saying that he's not, you know, a useful player by any stretch now, but this is a guy who two years ago was arguably the best defensive player in the league. And he took a step back last year in Toronto, and I think he took another step back this year in Hamilton, the injury might have been part of it, but I mean, he was a healthy scratch yeah. in week seven and then got traded. And so, you know, he, he's a player who's now into his 30s. You know, may, maybe he's in that, that swan song like we saw Charleston Hughes go through. And, mm-hmm. and you know, a guy who is still a good situational pass rusher could help you on second along, but, you know, might not be an every-down type player. And obviously with the injury to James Otters, I think the stands were hopeful that Davis could command a guy who had been there and had, had a few very good years with the Stampeders, could come in and and provide, you know, better veteran presence, could provide a little bit of extra push off the edge, a little bit of, you know, pressure against supposed quarterbacks. And uh, clearly that's not the case. This is the first voided contract I could remember, first voided trade, yeah. I can remember off the top of my head in a very long time in the CFL. The only other one I can think of would have been close to 20 years ago, the Bomber's tried to trade tom canada to the yes. hamilton tiger Cats. spleen and, and yeah, that's the issue crazy. yeah exactly yeah, yeah kind of a I freak medical thing and
1: yeah. and and
0: uh, I, I believe what happened was uh, uh the player traded to winnipeg Zeke moreno stayed in winnipeg and, and hamilton got like a, a conditional draft pick but
1: yes yeah.
0: um, that was 20 years ago right that was, <laughs> <it was a laughs> i remember tragedy. that so a very bizarre situation. Um, obviously, hopefully, Garrett Davis gets healthy and finds a way to, to to get some of his game back in time. But obviously, with him now back in Hamilton, it's going to be a bit of an awkward situation with
1: him knowing that he was traded. Yeah,
0: yeah. exactly.
1: Uh, overall, the read on the Stampeders: two and four, heading into a place they don't have the most success in in Montreal how big is this one knowing that the west division is you know Winnipeg and BC are flying away here and that and that crossover could really come into effect but you know going down 2 and 5 not great
0: well and if you look at the schedule after after yeah. Montreal like this yeah. is they've got a murderers row coming up i believe <laughs> their next four are against Toronto BC and Winnipeg which no yeah. matter how you slice it have been the three top teams so far this year. So I don't know if you can call this a must win because must win is, you know, that's a big term to use. But by Mm -hmm. the same token, you know, as as much as a a must win you could have this early in the year, I think this is it for the Stampeders. I mean, you win, you're almost at 500, and, and, and you see how many you can win out of the next four. And then, of course, you've got the reprieve of, of Edmonton back-to-back in Labor Day. Yeah, and I don't think I have to you know, explain to anybody <laughs> that Edmonton's been struggling so far this year. So, you know, it's a big game. You know, Cody Fajardo and the Owlets are coming off a bye. This is a team that has struggled to protect Cody Fajardo at times. They've struggled to run <laughs> the all. Uh, defensively, they're fast. They're physical. But by that same token, I, I don't think they ha- necessarily have that, you know, freak pass rusher who you really have to worry about. Uh, their secondary, I think, has been vulnerable at times this season. So, you know, i, I picked pick the Stamps to win this game. Uh, but it, it is not one that, that I think they can play lightly. The, the Alouettes are always tough at home, and uh, and I do think that'll be a, a legit battle for them. So I'm, I'm excited to watch that one. That might be the
1: game. Yeah. Could be, yeah. That'll be a Sunday 5 o'clock kick right here, or out in Montreal. Uh, on uh, Saturday, the uh, state of the Edmonton Elks... Uh, <laughs> Does Chris Jones act maybe weren't too thin on maybe the fan base? Like he's not been apologetic for this start. Of course, I know he's not a hundred percent to blame, but like maybe is it time for him to be more accountable to the fans? As as they if they go down, they lose to BC. That's now the North American record for most consecutive home losses.
0: Well, and I think early last season people were talking about this home losing streak, and I think Chris Jones was well within his right to kind of roll his eyes, because obviously. Yeah. He, was, he had nothing to do with the first, you know, exactly. at least half of that losing streak. But when you now look at just the Chris Jones era at Edmonton, like he, he as the head coach has, has overseen 11 or 12 losses in a row at home now. And uh, even if the preceding games hadn't happened, you know, seven losses in 2021, I think it was one loss at the end of 2019, oh. yeah, that losing streak, just him, since he's taken over as the head coach GM, and all mm-hmm. things football at Edmonton is still pretty embarrassing. So, yes, I think if I was a fan of the Edmonton Elks, I, I would want some accountability. Um, you know, one one positive, I guess, maybe for Edmonton is that Dane Evans is starting this game. I, I still think yeah. Dane Evans is a good quarterback, but yeah. you know, he, he, he might have some rust coming into this one. Vernon Adams Jr. sitting out. Um, if I if you know if I had the choice of playing a a healthy Vernon Adams or a rusty Dane Evans, I'm certainly choosing a rusty Dane Evans. All due respect to him. But, I mean, this D.C. defense, I think, is arguably the best in the league. It uh, doesn't look like Dominic Grimes is going to play at receiver, but they, they've got a ton of other weapons. Guys like Keon Hatcher, guys like Lucky Whitehead, and, you know, Sean Shivers, this rookie running back they've uncovered, seems to be really exciting. Reminds me a little yeah. bit of Charles Roberts yeah. back in the day. Super quick as a hiccup, and they're no taller than 5'6". He's a little guy, <laughs> but, man, he moves quick. Um, so, I, you know, it, I mean, it, it is a must-win. I mean, it, it feels almost like everything from here on out for Edmonton's yep. a must-win. If they if they go 500 the rest of the way, they're they're still missing the playoffs, right? At five mm-hmm. or six minutes. But that's not going to be enough. Uh, you know, and you got Calgary as probably the fourth, or at least right now the fourth best team in the division. Saskatchewan's already at three wins. Yes, they've lost Trevor Harris, but it's like like for Edmonton to make the playoffs, they're, they're going to need, I would say, at least seven, probably eight. And and right now, that seems like a Herculean task because obviously they, they haven't been able to get one. So, yes, this is this is a – I mean, heck, I, I don't blame any fans at Edmonton yeah. who have already kind of hit that breaking point. But but uh-huh. especially for those who haven't, we're still showing up, still going to Commonwealth. This is – you know, you've you got to get this done. At, at least avoid who lost number 21 in a row. You've already lost 20. Yeah. you got to break it at some point. You may as well do it this week.
2: John, no doubt that that's – not beneficial for the elks in any way shape or form is it bad for the cfl as a whole or is the damage limited to edmonton
0: i think it's bad for the cfl as a whole i I really do i mean this is a league that that generally has has some positive trends like attendance so far this season versus last season through seven weeks is up eight percent uh television ratings are up four percent and as randy rosey said this morning A lot of those new eyeballs on television are in the desired demographic of 25
1: to 54,
0: and those are very positive things. But right now attendance is still lagging um, in both cities in Alberta, but obviously in Edmonton where they haven't won in forever. So, yes, I I do think that this is a CFL-wide issue. And also, like, let's talk about parity. I mean, the second worst Mm -hmm. team in the league right now is not bad. Like, you've got Ottawa back at 500. You know, BC has lost. Winnipeg lost a couple of games. That was a team that that had been so dominant the last few years. They look vulnerable. You know, Toronto's undefeated, but they've only played five games. Like, like, you know, if, if I'm the CFL, I don't want a massive discrepancy between the best team and the worst team. Right now, there's eight teams that I think can beat one another on any given day, and there's Edmonton. So, to me, if you're the CFL, you need Edmonton to step up. That market not only needs to get stronger for the benefit of the league, but I think... For the parity league-wide, you need Edmonton to to be more of a threat. Because right now, if Edmonton's playing Toronto, uh, <laughs> you know, yes, anything can happen in the CSL game. But I think we all know who everybody's going to pick to win.
1: John, thank you so much uh, for taking some time and uh, talking with us. Uh, enjoy the game tomorrow, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk soon, buddy. Appreciate it. Anytime. There you go. There's John Hodge, three-down nation. Uh, all things touchdown Atlantic this weekend. Uh, it's a big one. Riders and Argos, a big one in the standings. As Toronto's five and zero, they're running away with the East Division. Saskatchewan, uh, they want to be that third team, and you know it, it is early still. But you know you're starting to think, hey, you get to Labor Day where are we with the uh, with the uh, with the crossover so we will see uh, what happens of course Calgary Stamp will be in action uh, on Sunday uh, taking on the Montreal Alouettes. we'll have a uh, stamps uh, check-in. Uh, with Matty Rose coming up at 3.30 as uh, they set out to Montreal on Saturday. Uh, Around the corner, uh, Randy Janda, he is here. He is rocking around the store, Uh, all things uh, Canucks. Uh, He's a Hockey Night in Punjabi, Sportsnet Canucks reporter as well. Uh, Randy Janda around the corner as Sportsnet Today continues here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.